Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. I'm joined tonight, as always, by Mr. Mike McDaniel. Mike we got some sweet, sweet week nine action, week ten action coming up. Wow, whatever week it is. But it's more, week ten. You're good. More importantly, We're... we got our first set of college football playoff rankings to cover. We got five ACC teams represented. That's pretty good. It's damn good. And we got a number two team in the country in Clemson, Joey. Jumping some of those big ten boys. As to be expected, the Clemson Tigers right now in position to make the college football playoff if that started today, uh, which, you know, luckily it doesn't after the first set of rankings because somehow Texas A&M sneaks in at number four. I don't know how they jumped Louisville. That didn't make a lot of sense. Or, or Washington. Um, don't know why Ohio, Ohio State. State's ahead of Louisville. I, it's, I, there's a lot of issue I have with the middle teams there. Yeah, I didn't watch the review ceremony or whatever it is tonight. I don't know that anybody really watched it, but <laughs> the the, re- the review ceremony. Yeah, nice. I don't. I mean, I don't know whatever we'll call it. But point being, I don't know what the thinking is there, but it's suspect. Yeah, Louisville at number seven uh, feels a little low, but I, I mean, I think they're in perfectly fine position if they keep winning and uh, they get some help in front of them. But time will tell. We also have a cluster of teams a little lower, uh, number 19, Virginia Tech, number 21, North Carolina, number 22, Florida State. Uh, Florida State might be the best three-loss team in the country right now, if that is anything to uh, kind of hang their hat on. Um, yeah, consolation prize. Yeah. But as the SEC has taught us, it's not about how many games you've lost. It's about the quality of losses. Quality losses are sneaky the most important thing about rankings anymore, so... Clemson could really work on getting a good quality loss in there. That's what's kind of booing Louisville right now, I think. Yeah, uh, quality of loss, <laughs> a loss to Clemson. I mean, I don't know, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Or maybe, like, the lesser quality of their wins, like barely sneaking by Virginia, barely beating Duke. Um, I think that's hurting Louisville, too, uh, on the more serious side. If you look at further down the rankings, uh the committee got it, not that it really matters because it's like 21 and 22. The committee got it right. North Carolina needs to be ranked ahead of Florida State. They beat them head-to-head. And North Carolina has one less loss. So all this crazy crap, I mean, I know Florida State lost this weekend to Clemson. All this crazy crap about Florida State being 9 or 10 spots better than North Carolina didn't make a lot of sense at the time. You could say the Florida State's a better team. I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, that's that's fine. North Carolina beat them head-to-head. You could say, oh, they play again. Maybe Florida State wins. I, whatever. I don't care. My whole point is if Florida State and North Carolina are 10 spots apart in another ranking, I'm going to lose my mind. I will say that North Carolina's loss – Opening weekend to Georgia is looking worse and worse all the time. Subtle jab at Georgia. Maybe not so subtle. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think this makes sense. I can't look and think that there's any team in the ACC that was really missed here. Um, I mean, I think these are clear-cut the five best teams in the conference right now, and I don't, I don't know that there's really an argument to be made that anybody else is deserving to be in that conversation. So, 
can't really complain here too much. Uh, that's that's a pretty good showing for the ACC in these first set of rankings, and uh, we'll see if they're able to kind of keep that up here as the, the weeks go on. Yeah, it's a shame Boston College just on the outside looking in here. So that was it's pretty disrespectful. They got that first conference win. That seems like that should vault them up into the top twenty-five. Yeah, uh, better than Miami, right? Is that that? Yeah, no, that's better than Miami. Uh, well, the same as Miami. Miami has that one conference win too. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I can't really make a legitimate argument for Pittsburgh, Miami, Notre Dame. None of them. Did I really just throw Notre Dame in as like a even <laughs> worthy of discussion here? Um, yeah, three and three and five. They're right there in the others receiving votes category. Yeah. Hey, most of those are quality losses for them, Mike. So that's again key pieces to any resume. Yeah. Quality losses. Have, have more quality losses and quality wins. Is that? <laughs> hey, uh, they got that box checked. Hey, clearly we don't know what the committee's looking at here. So. Texas uh, A&M's number four, so until we figure that out, I'm, you know, come on. Could be anything. This is crazy. Yeah. Anyone really knows. All right, let's 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 get into this. Week 10 coming up. Uh, we got a full slate of games here. We're going to include the Notre Dame, Notre Dame game here, even though it's not against a, an ACC opponent. That gives us eight games to preview, and we couldn't really come up with a whole lot of a better order than to just go through these chronologically. Um, it is a, a very deep slate of games this weekend bland without, it's bland without a whole lot of top end talent maybe bland bland might work um yeah this is really lacking for like a marquee like big time matchup um only two games getting on anywhere between abc espn and espn too so uh we're gonna work through these though these these there's some upset potential here, and there might be some gambling potential here if that's something you're into as well. So we'll talk through these here a little bit. We'll start out at the crack of 11.30 a.m. I don't know how we pick that time on the CBS network. Not the CBS Sports Network, just normal CBS, the one you get like over your antenna or whatever. The <laughs> Naval Academy midshipmen on the road sort of at Notre Dame, although Notre Dame is using Jacksonville as its home stadium this weekend. Uh, the Fighting Irish, a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this game, and I'm not entirely sure why, Mike. I actually kind of like Navy to cover here and maybe just win outright. It's uh, fitting to have Notre Dame kick off the smorgasbord of mediocrity here that is the <laughs> ACC slate this weekend. Um, <laughs> Notre Dame, six-and-a-half-point favorites against Navy. Notre Dame can't stop the run. Navy runs the ball really well. Notre Dame's defense has played a lot better in recent weeks. Navy's coming off of a tough loss uh, last weekend to South Florida. Um, 11.30 kickoff if you're into that sort of thing. Um, I'll be waking up around that time, so just in time to watch a game nobody really cares that much about. Uh, uh, What else? Deshaun Kaiser you better be able to throw on Navy's defense. That's all I can say. Um, oh, shout out also um, my buddy Logan. I, I went to high school with him, played football with him. Uh, his younger brother, Hudson Sullivan, is the starting outside linebacker for Navy. He's a sophomore, so that's kind of cool. I'll be paying attention to that. I haven't really seen much of Navy play this year, so that'll be cool uh, to watch on TV, seeing him play. Thank you for your uh, service. Yeah, yeah, also for that as well obviously yeah thank you for your service um yeah so i don't know it'll be it'll be an interesting game um 
Notre Dame always seems, well, at least the last, what, five or six years since that whole win streak was snapped. It might have been even longer now. Since Notre Dame's win streak against Navy was snapped at like 47 straight games or whatever the hell it was. Uh, Paul Johnson sends played, his regards. Yeah. Um, yeah, so maybe even longer than five or six years, whenever it was. Uh, but Notre Dame and Navy have played each other relatively tough. Um, the scores have been pretty close. Navy's won a couple times since. Uh, I think it'll be uh, kind of a high-scoring game. I mean, Navy's got a pretty solid offense. Notre Dame's got a solid passing game. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have a gauge on this game at all. Um, I think Notre Dame's defense is playing better, but the option presents a whole different set of issues that I'm not sure they'll be all that prepared for. I don't think Notre Dame's that well coached right now. Uh, but I'm going to pick Notre Dame to win and by a touchdown. I don't know. I think if you're Navy and you're trying to win this game, you got to try to control the ball, control the clock, and keep this lower scoring. And I think conversely, if you're Notre Dame, you got to try to take advantage of your athletes. you got the skill positions going against a Navy secondary that maybe isn't athletically equipped to, to handle that kind of thing. Uh, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen here. I could see any variety of things. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, Notre Dame's defense has gotten better in the last few games. Uh, we talked about that on the Week 9 recap episode, but uh, can they contend with a Navy offense that brings a very different style of attack from what they've been seeing over the last few weeks? I'm not too sure. I think ultimately the measure of success here, Mike, is if this game is better than the one that took place in Jacksonville last week between Florida and Georgia, which was a pretty wholly unwatchable game, uh, I think we're going to get one. I think Notre Dame on offense is going to put up some some numbers, and Navy is going to kind of run some circles around the defense at times, and I do think this will be an improvement over what was played there last week. I don't know if you would agree with that. It'll be an improvement. It wouldn't take much. Uh, yeah, should be an improvement over the game there last week, for sure. This is pretty much a must-win game for Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, I mean, with what they have left on their schedule, we talked about on the recap. Um, yeah, I haven't really sounded all that convincing with this Notre Dame-Navy game, and maybe that's just because I don't really have a good gauge on it. Um, I, I wish I could provide more insight here. I mean, I just know that Notre Dame at the skill positions are better Um in theory, they should win this game by a couple touchdowns. I just don't think they will. I mean, I think the defense has played better. Navy presents a whole different set of issues because of the option offense that they run. Uh, but if Notre Dame shuts that down, uh, they could win this thing going away. But then with, with the Irish and all the issues they're having, not only offense, defense, and, and special teams, I think is the, the biggest uh, you you know the biggest issue they're having right now uh, if you're looking at all three units I mean special teams has been the reason why a lot of teams have remained in games this year or have beaten Notre Dame so the special teams needs to get cleaned up I think Notre Dame can hit some big plays in the passing game and win this game but the defense needs to get stops if they don't get stops it's a turn to a shootout and uh, Navy will be right there with a chance to win at the end but I'm going to take Notre Dame to win I think I I think I will too but I think I'm going to take Navy to cover. Um, I think Notre Dame wins this game like 34-28 or 35-31 or something to where it's a little bit of that shootout-y kind of feel, a little higher scoring, gets close to that total. But uh, I don't 
uh, I'm going to regret these words. I don't think Notre Dame wins this game by a full touchdown, but I do think that they win. If that's fair. That's, I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, it's fair. I mean, it's fair. I just don't. It's an exciting I, game, I Mike. We need to show some excitement. Notre Dame in Jacksonville. Hey, man, I, I'm a Notre Dame. I mean, I've, I've grown up a Notre Dame fan. This team is just brutal to watch right now. <laughs> um, that's kind of what it boils down to. So No arguments here. We'll move on then. The newly minted number seven Louisville Cardinals, 25-point favorites on the road at Boston College at noon on ESPN2. The Eagles trying to build on their, their newly minted ACC conference game winning streak, coming off a big 21-14 win over NC State. They got Louisville at home. Um, I actually, uh, man, this is a lot of points. I, I halfway want to pick Boston College to cover this game. I don't think I can do it because the thing that we've seen that Boston College's defense cannot stop all year has been people throwing the ball down the field. And I think that that's what Lamar Jackson is going to do. I, they might be able to keep Louisville to under 100 rushing yards. I think that's maybe a realistic output. But I, I think I don't uh, – Louisville's going to throw the ball down the field a lot and they're going to score a lot of points. And I think they're going to win this game big. Mike, you're nodding at me like you really agree here. James Quick catches the football, which is what he didn't do last week against Virginia, what they struggled to do against Duke. They struggled to hit big plays in the passing game. If they literally convert two or three more of those passing plays, they're going to beat Boston College by, like, 117. They're going to beat them by, like, <laughs> five or six touchdowns. I they're going to be is, making up numbers. They're going to be making up numbers. They're going to score so much. Um yeah, I uh, I actually like the Cardinals to cover. I, I, it's sitting here, twenty five point favorites. I like them to cover, win big. I mean, I think they they need a win like this. I think the Boston College pass defense is the perfect medicine um, to, to to cure those ills. So, yeah, give me Louisville. I'm I'm looking to see them make a couple uh, bigger plays there in the passing game to uh, to make the difference here, and um, I, I think they'll win big. Yeah, the other piece of this, too, is I, I don't know that Boston College is really going to be able to move the ball that well on Louisville's defense. Uh, I think you got to hope that Louisville comes out flat for a noon game on the road in a not-super-intimidating environment otherwise in Chestnut Hill. But, um, yeah, I think barring that, I think this is a pretty easy cruising-to-a-win kind of thing for Louisville. I think they shake off whatever demons were plaguing them last week against Virginia, and I think they get it done here. Fair? I'm on board with that. Moving on. We're going to just cruise right through these then. My Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, Mike, on the road at the newly minted number 21 North Carolina Tar Heels. Who newly are minted. 10.5 point favorites at home. This is at 12.30 p.m. on ACC Network Extra and watch ESPN. Um, Georgia Tech uh, coming off of a just a defensively infuriating performance and it's the defense has gotten worse throughout the year and that really concerns me going up against the North Carolina offense it's as good as it is it has the weapons that it does and it can attack you in as many ways as they can um, I think it would be very irresponsible for any Georgia Tech fans out there to expect a win in this game um, however I don't think it's totally out of the question that they could cover the 10.5 points here and turn this into a game, even on the road and, and all of this. I think that 
this game is probably closer than a lot of people f want to think it might be. Um, I mean, maybe. Like, my... my <laughs> convincing once again, right? No, my <laughs> whole thing, the whole issue I have, I, I get where you're coming from. My whole issue with that theory is that Georgia Tech's defense is just so, so bad right now. Um, it's it's hard for me to get behind... I, I can get behind what you just said, but it's difficult for me because you look at what happened in the second half against Duke, and that's really hard for me to forget. Um, yeah, see, North Carolina, with, with their rushing offense right now, it's not nearly as good as it could be or should be with Elijah Hood and, and TJ Logan. I think it was actually much better about a month and a half ago uh, than it is right now. But with that being said, I think North Carolina's defense is getting better, and I think that's kind of supplementing the offense, kind of being a little bit more up and down, especially in the running game. Um, I think Mitch Trubisky is arguably playing his best football of the season here. Uh, the last month or so. Um, but I, I do see a scenario, to your point, where Georgia Tech can cover 10.5. Um, I, I think keeping the ball out of North Carolina's hands, uh, more specifically Mitch Trubisky throwing the ball, would be a big part of that. They have the perfect offense to do that, running the ball like they do with the option. And I think that's if that's going to be the game plan, I think they can keep it, keep it under 10.5. And, um, and so... I get where you're coming from by that token. I just can't really buy it with Georgia Tech's defense right now. Um, I think we're both taking North Carolina. I'm going to say that the Tar Heels cover. I think it'll be close, though. I, I think it'll be right in, in that 10 to 13 point range. But if Georgia Tech possesses the ball um, that, like they have done in the past and, and the time of possession is heavily in their favor, they're going to be right in this game, I think. Um, it's just a matter of how the defense plays, which... I don't think any Georgia Tech fan or any ACC fan watching Georgia Tech play can really bank on that right now. Um, but if Georgia Tech's defense shows up and plays better than expected and Georgia Tech sits on the ball, they could upset North Carolina. Yeah, I think that, that given the up-tempo nature of what Miami is going to come out and do, I think that's what you're going to see from Georgia Tech is try to shorten the game as much as possible, try to keep the play count down, try to possess the ball for as long as possible. Um and it was something that, against Miami, I mean, it seemed to kind of work in a way. Um, basically, what you saw was, you know, Georgia Tech would go out there and, and try to extend drives and run 8, 10, 12 plays. And then Miami's offense would come out and run 3, 4, 5 plays in, you know, a minute and a half. And then they'd either score or punt, and that was about it. Um, and really what you end up doing is you kind of mortgage the defense doing that, you know, because they just get more and more tired throughout the game. They've got no time to rest. They're constantly out on the field. Um, so I could definitely see Georgia Tech going for that kind of strategy here, trying to keep the score down and trying to wear out a North Carolina defense and keep their offense out of rhythm. I don't think it's going to be enough to win, especially with as bad as their defense has been. Um, I mean, Georgia Tech right now is 108th in the country in yards per play allowed against conference opponents. Not I mean, good, Bob. Not good, Bob. That That's real bad. Um, strangely, not the worst in the ACC. That's actually uh, Syracuse, 
at one fifteenth at six six point seven yards six point seven five yards per play. Sorry, and Duke at one twenty one at seven point one two yards per play. Um, so those two are obviously worse. So that's not good. Um, but yeah, I uh, yeah I don't. Georgia Tech's not going to win this game. I don't think. I think that they can keep it close. So give me Georgia Tech to cover ten and a half. Um, I don't know what to think on the total here. The total is 61, which kind of feels about right. I could kind of see it going either way. Again, if if Tech is able to sit on the ball, I think we should probably pick it over, though. No reason to uh, think that they're going to stop North Carolina's offense. Probably yeah. over 61. Yeah, I, I would say over 61. But I, do, I agree with you. I mean, I think that's about I mean, I think the line's about right. Um, don't put any money on this. I... Um, at least on the over/under, you can do it on the line if you want to. I wouldn't do it on the over/under though. Yeah. But if I had cool. to go, yeah, if I had to go one way or another though, I'd probably take the over there. Yeah, I'll take North Carolina here, thirty-eight, thirty-one. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. North Carolina's defense. I mean, North Carolina's defense—they've played better, but they're still not very good. So this could turn into a little bit of a shootout. If it does, I mean, I think the over is well within reach. Well, and and the other two things I want to bring up. I mean, this game was actually really close last year. Georgia Tech probably should have beaten North Carolina until Adam Gotsis was thrown out of the game on a pretty bogus targeting penalty. Yeah, that was one of the worst calls of the year, I thought. Yeah, and there were a couple of, of pretty bad turnovers by Georgia Tech that really just swung the momentum of the game, um, and, and that was kind of the difference. Meanwhile, North Carolina beat Pittsburgh at home in the last play of the game, and they beat Miami by a touchdown in Coral Gables. Meanwhile, Georgia Tech took Pittsburgh to the wire and lost to Miami on two fumbles recovered for touchdowns. So, all to say that Georgia Tech played those two teams pretty evenly. Those two teams played North Carolina pretty evenly. And since we know that the transitive property of college football is like a pretty much a law of the universe, that means Georgia Tech should play this game pretty closely, right? Uh, transitive property, right? Is of that, course. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing in college football, right? It checks sort out. Of. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Panthers, not ranked, traveling to the also unranked Miami Hurricanes. Miami, a three-point home favorite here at 12.30 p.m. on ACC Network Extra and Watch ESPN. Uh, this game, we have uh, – this game – okay, mo- most importantly, the total in this game right now is 58.5. This game is going to go over this total. Way over. Um, the Miami defense has been bad lately. And Pittsburgh's offense is every bit able to just totally take advantage of that. Meanwhile, the thought of Brad Kaya throwing to his weapons into that Pittsburgh secondary, that this is going to turn into a track meet here, Mike. Yeah, they could get the over by themselves if they throw into that <laughs> Pittsburgh secondary. Um, not seriously. That's not serious. Um, man, this is... Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, just in case anybody was dumb enough to... <laughs> believe that was serious there uh pittsburgh miami uh the panthers i don't i don't know i mean i think they're i think they're a pretty good team uh if they had any sort of passing defense they'd be right there in the coastal um they, they might have beaten virginia tech if they had a passing defense the way that they the Hokies kind of tried to squander that game away in the red zone last week um 
I think Pittsburgh has a good team. That The passing defense is really problematic, which is why I believe this game will go over. Uh, the 58-and-a-half. Um, uh, Miami's offense, outside of Brad Kaya throwing the ball, I mean, they still need to protect him. Um, Pittsburgh was able to get decent pressure on Gerard Evans, but they weren't able to take him down a whole lot. Um, if they're able to get pressure on Brad Kaya, which I, I anticipate they, they will be able to uh, because the offensive line is so bad, I think um, Pittsburgh will have a, a pretty good chance to, to win this game because Miami's rushing offense right now is non-existent anyway, and that Pittsburgh rushing defense is one of the best in the ACC. Uh, because of that, I'm going to take Pittsburgh. I think Nate Peterman's due for a better game. Um, I, I think if Pittsburgh's smart. They just run the football on this Miami front seven that's just garbage right now uh, because of injuries. I mean, it's not entirely their fault. Um, I'm taking Pittsburgh to win. I mean, yeah, the, the thought of Kaya throwing against the Pittsburgh secondary is enticing, but I think the Pittsburgh will get a good pass rush. I think they're going to run the ball really well against Miami's front seven, which is all sorts of beat up right now. Um, and, and I think they're going to find a way to win, and if they win, they're going to cover. I mean, it's three. Miami's a three-point favorite right now. I think Pittsburgh wins this game by seven to ten points um, if it all plays out like I just said, which, of course, it won't, but it's fun to talk about. <laughs> Mike, I just got a line hot off the uh, presses from the Basketball Conference Sportsbook. Oh, yeah? Over under 45-and-a-half net rushing yards for Miami. Inclu- in, I guess we can make this including Brad Kaya Sachs yeah, and yeah. not including Brad Kaya Sachs. Um, not including Brad Kaya. I think it's over either way. What would you say, 45? 45 and a half rushing oh, yards I'm for Miami. going to say over. You think? Um, I'll, t- I'll take that action. I'll go under. <laughs> it's it's under. With the Brad Kaya Sachs, it's probably under. Um. Miami couldn't run the ball against Notre Dame or Virginia Tech. I don't know if uh, Virginia Tech, yeah, Virginia Tech's run, rushing defense is is pretty good though. I, I think Notre Dame. I don't know if it was a matter of they they couldn't or if they just chose not to. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm riding with the Pittsburgh defense on this one. The front seven, if they do anything, they will stop the run. That might be all that they do. They're gonna but... sack Brad. They're gonna sack Brad Kaya. I think. I mean, that's. Mm-hmm. Uh... mm-hmm. Okay, it's under with the Brad Kaya sacks. So if we're counting it like regular, like college football stats, like they do, yeah, I think it's under. But if you're not including Brad Kaya sacks, they're gonna go over forty-five yards. I think. To be fair, if they don't go over forty-five yards, that's now a three-game streak in which they would not have gone over forty-five yards rushing in a game. <laughs> For yeah. what that's worth, <laughs> and Pittsburgh's running deep rushing defense is probably the best unit Miami has played. Um, I, I know Pittsburgh statistically has a better rushing defense than Virginia Tech, and Miami couldn't run against them. Um, to your point, uh, but I think they'll get to forty-five yards um, without Kaya Sacks. But with Kaya Sacks, it's. <laughs> Yeah. Might be a lost lost, yeah. lost cause. Yeah, nah, not happening. They might have more attempts than yards, maybe, with Brad Kaya Sachs in there. <laughs> I might be kind of dumb for thinking this, but I kind of 
would like to think that Mark Richt is going to wise up here and not try to just, you know, barrel Mark Walton Never. and Joe Yerby into the belly of the Pittsburgh rushing defense, and he's just going to throw the ball down the field all game. If they do that, I think that they win this game easily, but then again, I'm trusting Mark Rick's play calling ability, which is suspect at times. We got a couple we got a couple of rules on this podcast, shall we? Between <laughs> you and I and everybody listening. A, you never root for Miami. B Sorry Cam. Uh, sorry, Cam and Miami fans. B you never expect Mark Rick to wise up. That's yeah. Um what more needs to be said? Play call, play calling is not his forte. You know, let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, in a lot of cases it is, but in the <laughs> specifically important Wait, ones, it is not. Yeah, the important. <laughs> I was gonna say it. It is because that's his thing. But when it comes down to it, it's really not his thing because when you need him most, it's not always there. Uh, <laughs> clutch situations. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I expect Miami to play well. I think Pittsburgh will just play a little bit better, so I think Pittsburgh will come away with a win. Give me Miami to cover three in a shootout 45-38. It'll be a shootout. Yeah, this is a high-scoring game here. Yeah, it could it's going to be a lot of points. It could, it could go either way. I mean, it really could. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if Pittsburgh won it. I mean, Miami's lost four in a row. They can send that to five. That's fully within reason. <laughs> yeah, throwing, I mean, just throwing that out there. Sorry, Cam. <laughs> sorry, Cam. Come back soon. Let's talk about maybe a slightly more interesting game here, Mike. At 3 o'clock on the ACC Network Extra and watch ESPN, the Virginia Cavaliers. <laughs> <laughs> a slightly more interesting game. The Virginia sl- Cavaliers. Yeah. yeah, that's a good start, right? Yeah, it On really... the road at the Steeman Deacons of Wake Forest, minus three. So three-point favorites at home. Uh, going for bowl eligibility once again. Big question here, are they going to wise up and run the ball some more, or are they going to keep throwing the ball at John Walford because that completely changes my outlook on this game on which one they do. Yeah, run, run the ball some more. They just start running the ball, period. They quit on it last week, Joey. We talked about that in the recap uh, podcast. They need to run the football. Having John Walford throw the ball more than, like, I don't know, five times is generally a bad idea. Um, they had him throw it over 40 times um, last week, which, you know, as you can imagine, didn't go very well. Um, yeah, for, for Wake Forest to win this game, just run the football. Uh, you know, that's what you're good at. And it'll open up the play-action pass for Walford, which is where, you know, truthfully, I, I think that's where he excels. I mean, uh, you know. We can sit here and make fun of Walford, and it, it's fun. But when it comes down to it, where he excels is is in the play action game, and that's where he where he makes his plays there. And and Walford is also a guy who is really effective, actually, as a runner as well. And you see that open up a little bit more, especially on rollouts for Wake Forest when Cade Carney is getting the ball and he's running the football effectively because it opens up um, um, the play fake and having. Uh, Wolford run out and either have that run pass option there on the outside, which I think has benefited Wake here for the better part of the season so far. So I think if Wake Forest does that in this game, they'll be in good shape. Um, uh, from Virginia's standpoint, do what you did against Louisville. If you do that, you'll probably beat Wake Forest. Um, I, I think that's pretty 
fair assessment, right? I mean, Wake Forest is not the team that Louisville is. If you employ the same sort of game plan, which really puts a lot of pressure um, on the, uh, I almost call them the Louisville offense, on the Wake Forest offense in the passing game, you kind of take away the run. Wake Forest is going to have a lot of trouble scoring. I think if Virginia does that, they'll have a good chance to win the game. I'm going to take Wake Forest because I think they'll wise up and do you know, what the hell they're supposed to do and what's kind of gotten them to this point. And uh, I, I think a lot of a lot of people have been questioning Dave Clawson this week for his decision-making last week with that offense. I think they'll get back to running the football, and I think because of that they will beat Virginia on Saturday. Yeah, that was kind of the thing that I think maybe is the big macro takeaway from that Army game is that we saw that if – if Wake Forest can't run the ball or won't run the ball, and really either one is kind of the same, if they're forced to throw the ball a lot, they probably aren't going to have a whole lot of success doing it. Uh, so that probably becomes the, the focus moving forward for a lot of their opponents. Not that that's really a whole revelation, um, but Virginia's done a decent job this year of, of defending the run. Uh, the last three games against Pittsburgh, North Carolina, and Louisville, three pretty good rushing teams and uh, – Pretty, you know, talented teams, certainly. Uh, given up over four yards per carry in all of them, but less than five. Um, and really, only a couple of teams have done more than, like, 4.6 yards per carry this year, and that was Oregon and North Carolina going against the Virginia defense. So I think if they can do that, if they can kind of contain the Wake Forest rushing attack and force them to throw, like we were talking about with John Walford, I don't think Wake Forest is going to be able to do it. Um, but then again... I don't know. Like, I feel like we're ne- we never know what we're going to get from the Virginia offense week to week. And so trying to figure out if Wake Forest can outscore them like totally just depends on which version of Kurt Benkert and Smoke Mizell and all those guys show up. I, I mean... It's anybody's guess, really. Anybody's guess. I-, I guess in this case I take the home team. I take the Steam and Deacons to get to bowl eligibility. Um, I don't feel great about it. Um, I'm also tempted... The total here is 44. Under. Uh, kind of, I'm kind of thinking under here. Um, but then again, I, like I said, that can be totally spoiled if, uh, if if Virginia can come out and start, you know, lighting up the scoreboard a little bit, which I don't think is totally out of the question. I mean, it, it can be done if you're Virginia, right, Mike? Eh. Uh, I just don't know. You got faith in Kurt Venkert? Not really. Do you? <laughs> Uh, no. Yeah. No. Yeah, I don't know. It's a crapshoot. I mean, Virginia's like Duke. It's a complete crapshoot. Like, what team's showing up? I mean, that's kind of what it boils down to, you know? You feel like we're in for, like, some super weird stuff this weekend with some of these games? Yeah, I mean, there's not a big game on the schedule. Um, and, And when you have these... You have a bunch of really middle-of-the-road ACC teams playing against each other, which means, A, the games will really be uninteresting, or, B, they'll find a way to be interesting, and you'll get a lot of weird stuff going on. I tend to think it's B, because this is the ACC, and that's what seems to happen. Mm. Yeah, sounds right. All right, yeah, give me Wake Forest here, go under 44. 10 to 6. Uh, the, uh, 
17 13? 11 and 9. Okay, 17 13 is good. 20 to 13, maybe? I don't know. I guess, yeah. 17 13 covers 3. Goes under 44. That'll work. 1 nothing. Um, <laughs> 1 nothing. Got a. They had a good pitcher that came out of Virginia recently, right? Somebody throwing a shutout and still losing a game or something like that? Yeah. What probably. Never mind. I don't know. Yeah. Pro- probably, you know. Been a long baseball season. Yeah. Back to ACC football. Moving on. The Syracuse Orange on the road at number two Clemson. The Tigers a 27-point home favorite here. 3.30 p.m. on ABC and ESPN2, kind of depending on your local listings. Um, I, I was wishing, Mike, that this game was at noon because I would have loved Syracuse to cover – four touchdowns here. Um, I think if, if Clemson were to start a little slow or kind of let off the gas late, I do think that Syracuse is fully capable of covering this line. If Clemson comes out focused and, and ready to go, I think that they, they can easily just totally smother Syracuse here and win going away, even enough to cover that line. But coming off an emotional road win like that, uh, Coming home against a team that you know that you're going to beat, I'm still kind of tempted to like Syracuse to cover 27 here. I love Syracuse to cover. This is a typical letdown. I don't think – now, let's – before I even get going on this tangent, Clemson is not going to lose this football game, okay? They're, they're not. Absolutely not. They're absolutely not going to lose this game. Offensively, they're better. Defensively, they're better. But Syracuse can put up some points. Gino Babers has a good offense. Clemson is coming off of an emotional road win in Tallahassee against Florida State. This game screams letdown, uh, and I think it'll happen. I, I think Clemson will escape, but I think Syracuse will absolutely cover in this game. Eric Dungey has been one of the best quarterbacks in the country this year. He's getting no love whatsoever. He has been really, really good. I think he's a, a pretty good good player anyway. I think most of his success this year has been a product of the offense. I think it's it's just an absolute perfect system for him. Gets the ball out of his hands. Not a lot of thinking. I'm not not trying to bag on him like real hard here, but it's not a lot of thinking. It's You have two reads. You throw it to a guy in the flat. You throw it to the guy across the middle, you know, in, uh, in man coverage. I mean, it's really just an easy, easy offense. Um, it's quick hitting. It's up tempo. He can run. He can throw. He's got that whole package going. He's the perfect quarterback for that system. There for Syracuse. Clemson's got one of the best defenses in the country, but Syracuse can put up some points because of that. I think they will cover. I don't know if it'll be a seven-point game or a seventeen-point game, but I expect Syracuse to cover four touchdowns. Hmm. Yeah. I could see that. I could definitely see that. I, and in fact, that's probably the smart play here. I mean, four touchdowns is a lot to lay, especially like you mentioned in a, in a letdown spot for Clemson after the huge one they had last week. Um, I wonder how much their the Clemson defense is going to be looking to have like a, a prideful moment here and kind of uh, prove what they can do. Because if not, I mean this the the, the Clemson offense can very much come out flat, although Syracuse has had a lot of problems defending teams that like to spread it out and and can throw the ball down the field and do things like this. So, like, I don't, I don't totally know what to expect from this game as far as how Syracuse really makes it a game. But I think at the very least they could probably pull a backdoor cover here if 
you know, you figure Clemson's up by four, you know, by five touchdowns, you know, with ten minutes left in the game. Syracuse can probably work it down the field and score against some backups or something. So, yeah, I think give me Syracuse to cover, but Clemson wins still fairly comfortably. Um, give me Clemson, like, 45 to 24. Yeah, and that would go over 61 and a half as well. Yep. 45-24. Yeah, that'll work. My, my two factors here for Syracuse covering is, A, the letdown, B, the inconsistency for Clemson on offense. I mean, you saw it even against Florida State, which I thought, you know, Deshaun Watson was fantastic. I think he could have been even better. Uh, and it's because he could have been even better is why I, I think Syracuse will cover, because I'm not sure Clemson will score as many points as they probably should against the Syracuse defense. Oh, as, totally, totally easy to see them come out, like, sleepy and – just back to the weirdly, like, mildly disappointing Clemson that we've seen on offense several times this year. Yeah, or it, I could just be completely wrong, and they could score, like, 70 points in a quarter and a half, which I, Syracuse's defense is bad, but it's not that bad. Um, as, far as, as far as the score here, Clemson will get in the 40s. I think it's a pretty safe bet just on talent alone. Uh, 40 to... 24 or something. I don't know. Who cares? I'm bad at I'm bad at score predictions because I say they're going to cover and then I screw that up. It's just <laughs> I'm bad. I'm just bad at it. Yeah. Well, before you go around saying things like you know you're going to be wrong, nobody's wrong here on this this podcast, Mike. This is all these are all accurate predictions. It's all conjecture. By them. Yeah. yeah. If 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 they don't come true, that means something went wrong in the game. Obviously. That's right. So yeah. yeah. People come here for the hard-hitting analysis. They're going to get it. All right. Two more here. we got to move on. Talk about your number 19 newly minted Virginia Tech Hokies. 11-point favorites on the road at Duke. 3.30 p.m. on ESPNU. This is a bad spot for Virginia Tech. Yeah, it's Mike. not good. Yeah, it's just, this is never... Uh, coming off of big wins, Tech never excels. Uh, I'm thinking 20... Yeah, the year I graduated... Uh, the 2014-2015 season, beat Ohio State in Columbus, and then come back the next week and lay an absolute egg against East Carolina and Shane Carden. That was just abhorrent. The, pi- the Pirates are uh, got some black magic working there anyways. Uh, yeah. Uh, not anymore. Tech hung 52 on them. That was great. Uh, but before that, yeah. Uh, before that, though, yeah, no. Um East Carolina did some weird stuff. It was more of the Ruffin McNeil effect. Now that he's not there, it's all is forgiven. Uh, Would explain a lot. Yeah, Virginia Tech is not good coming off of big wins. I constitute the pit game as a pretty big win. They do have a couple extra days of rest, um, having played that game last Thursday. But Duke is a bad football team. Um, they're, I think, well, I think they're a bad football team. Depends on which version of Duke shows up. Um, they're going to be without uh, the running back, Duncan. He's done for the year. He's a major part of their offense. Um, look, if they don't have a running game against Virginia Tech, they're going to be in a lot of trouble because I don't think the the freshman, Daniel Jones, will be able to throw on the Virginia Tech defense. Because of that, I think the Hokies win this game pretty big. Um, it's not a good spot for Virginia Tech, admittedly. This game screams letdown because that's what the Hokies do after big wins. That's what they've done. But 
uh, Virginia Tech this year and this year's version and the two losses they've had, they've bounced back nicely. You look at the Tennessee loss, it came back the following week, blew the doors off BC at home, um, which so did everybody else. Sorry, NC State. Um, and then the loss against Syracuse, Tech comes back and probably had their most impressive win of the season against Miami. So I don't think this is a let you know, they're coming off a big win. Those are after two losses. I, I think having the Pittsburgh game go the way it did for the Hokies, a lot of things could have gone wrong that didn't. Tech, tech hung on. Um, because of the resiliency of the Hokies, I think they will play a better game this week, even though this kind of screams letdown game. I, I think Tech wins this game by 17 to 20 points. I mean, I think it could be a three-touchdown blowout. We were talking before we came on here about how Duke has nothing that really resembles at least like a conventional home field advantage. Um, but I was telling you, like, I feel like sometimes Duke has almost like the like backwards home field advantage where the environment is so bad that it just like saps the life out of whatever opponent comes in. So it's like a super roundabout, like backwards messed up home field advantage. I, I wonder about that as well as the letdown spot with Virginia Tech here. Um, I think I'm going to go with Duke to cover here. I think that they can maybe get a late score or or something. Um, I think that the, this is like maybe like a 10-point game. Here's the other thing that I, I see happening here is I kind of see Duke doing to Virginia Tech what they did to Louisville. Um, kind of sitting on the ball, slowing the game down, uh, frustrating the, the Virginia Tech offense, trying to keep them from getting in rhythm. I do think the Hokies end up winning this game, but I think that Duke can kind of ugly it up and and keep it close. So give me Virginia Tech 27, Duke 17. Nice. Um, so like a 10-point win, but that still covers the 11 if you're Duke. Fair enough? Fair enough, man. Yeah. So we kind of disagree on a couple of these. That's fine. That's fine. Hey, man, that's – I mean, if there was going to be a week where we disagreed a ton, this was going to be the week. One where nothing really makes a whole lot of sense anyways. Uh, no. And we're, we're very rarely correct also. But everybody comes and listens to us anyway because we provide good conjecture. I believe the analysis is still good. As far as, like, the scores and who's going to cover, I mean, it's a crapshoot most weeks. It's even more of a crapshoot this week with, uh, with these matchups. I mean, this is one of those weeks in the conference that's going to be really weird. So be ready for that. Well, you know that the analysis has to be good. All the iTunes ratings say so. So there's that. Um, speaking of things that are going to be weird, we got to finish off a week on a game that could get real weird and it has gotten real weird before. The newly minted number 22 Florida State Seminoles, five-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at a place that's kind of been a house of horrors for them sometimes in the past. Uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina, where they take on the NC State Wolfpack, NC State, like we said, is coming off of a few losses in a row here. They they had a last-second, just heartbreaking, you know, should have been a win over Clemson in Death Valley. It was not. They then go get the doors blown off by Louisville the following week. Then they go to Boston College and get the doors blown off, or not the doors blown off, but they lose to a team that hasn't won a conference game in almost two years, and... Now they come home to take on number 22, Florida State. I kind of think that Florida State should maybe be a little wary here. But they're also coming off a loss of their own. So 
Inside of a touchdown, I kind of like Florida State to cover this here on the road, Mike. NC State is completely mailed it in. They're done. Uh, that's my they're opinion. They're, they're quit. They've they've quit. Um, the Louisville game, I, I kind of gave them a little bit of a pass because I, I thought the loss against Clemson was so tough and hard fought, and it was a game they should have won. They had what it was a kick inside thirty-five yards to win it as time expired. Didn't go the way they wanted to. You know, I, I kind of gave him a pass for the Louisville game. I gave him more credit than I probably should have for the Notre Dame win because it was in a monsoon. Um, and the the game last week against BC is just absolutely inexcusable. You know, you let Boston College score more than you. Just wait until the Florida State offense comes to town. There is zero chance at NC State, to, who, you know, to their credit for the most part, has been a pretty solid defense this year. There's no way they're stopping Dalvin Cook on Saturday. He's been just so good the last month. Um, really, the last six weeks he's been you know, playing at this level. I think Dalvin Cook runs all over him. I think NC State has essentially mailed it in. Um, I, I think you know, Dave Doran, after that game last week, I think he's cooked as the coach. I think he's out the door soon. Um, and I think Florida State wins this thing big. But I, I think NC State... The recipe for success for them, uh, Ryan Finley's going to have to play well. Um, and Florida State's defense has been touch and go the last few weeks. I mean, that's they've re- really all season, um, t- since losing Derwin James there in the first month, they've kind of been a mess in the secondary. Um, but, yeah, they're going to have to run the ball against Florida State's running defense, which has been relatively good this year. So I, 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 you know, I struggle here with NC State getting a lot going on offense, and because of that, I think Florida State's going to win this thing going away. Um, yeah, Seminoles by two touchdowns. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Florida State's going to try and get right here. Like you mentioned, Dalvin Cook has been a total just terror for opposing defenses the last few weeks. It's going to take a really, really inspired effort by the NC State defense to, to contain him here. I'm not seeing it. Um, and NC State's defense is good. I mean, I don't, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, they had that one aberration that is the Louisville game. Um, I'll give them a pass. Now, some of their numbers, of course, may be a little bit inflated because of who they played the first four weeks and the fact that they played Notre Dame in a hurricane. But um, I still think they have a pretty good unit overall. Just that Louisville game was just so bad. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of people don't really take them seriously as a, as a good defense, but I think they have a good unit. I just don't think they can stop Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I don't think they can either. I'm, I'm not sure that – I mean, we just saw Dalvin Cook go for about 170 yards on the Clemson defense, which yeah. is certainly in the discussion for being a top-five unit in the country. Um and, and like you said, I mean, NC State's defense has got its moments uh, of brilliance, but they are, they're, not, they're not Clemson levels of defense. And so I don't, I'm not seeing it from them. They're not going to be able to stop Dalvin Cook. Um, yeah. I, I wonder about if after last week if uh, Jimbo Fisher might have a little bit of like a going into like screw you mode for the rest of the year. I'm just trying to, try to blow out everybody that they come across. Yeah. Um, I, I can see the frustration building within him at you know some of these losses they've they've felt so yeah I, I'm with you I think I like Florida State to, to cover this line especially inside of a touchdown even though they're on the road NC State's 
fading and fast. Um, but again, I mean, stranger things have happened. Florida State was otherwise undefeated a few years ago and found a way to lose in Carter Finley, so it could happen. This weekend's going to be really weird. Prepare yourselves. Yeah. yeah. Really we, weird. <laughs> we've got eight games here, and there seems to be some clear direction on several of them. There's, what, one, two, three, four, five. Only four, yeah, four double-digit spreads among eight games. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that all four of them are going to be the favorites covering. So, um, I like to think Florida State will here, but yeah, this is going to be a bit of a strange weekend. So, anything else, Mike? Before we move on, let's get to the picks of the week, Joey. Yeah, last thing we got to do, picks of the week. Uh, so last week we both were losers, and <laughs> that. That was a first on the year, actually. The first time we've both lost our picks. Uh, I had Wake Forest to cover six against Army, and then John Walford threw three interceptions among 43 passing attempts, which is just kind of inexplicable. That's fine. Mike, you had Georgia Tech and Duke to go under 50.5, and and then Ted Roof's defense got on the field and uh, had, I guess, had mercy on the Duke offense. You warned me, I mean, to be fair. Yeah. I tried. Tried to tell you. Um, you tried award. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I get the temporary you tried award. That's right. Um, yeah. Both of us losers on the weekend on the picks of the week. I'm now at seven and two. You're now at three and six. I lose a lot. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So I think you went first last week, if I'm not mistaken. I did. All right. I'll go first this week. I'm going to make what I think feels like a really irresponsible pick in a lot of ways, and yet kind of makes sense in my head. I'm going to take Louisville to cover 25 points on the road at Boston College. You're <laughs> laughing at me? I don't care. This is like a... Hey, I, I told you they'd cover. I'm, this is an awful matchup for Boston College, Mike. There's no... Yeah, no. There's no way, there's no way Boston College covers that spread. Their offense Louis- sucks, and yeah. Louisville's doesn't. And Louisville's defense is pretty good, and Louisville's offense can throw the ball down the field, which is the thing that Boston College hasn't been able to stop all year. Virginia is this, Virginia is better than Boston College, right? Yes. Okay, so I'll agree with that. Yes. Yeah. So sorry to cut you off, but that's the perfect reasoning to say Louisville will cover, even though they faced a similar team last week. Yeah, I think this might look a little bit like the Virginia Tech Boston College game from what was it, week three or week four when. Virginia Tech won like forty nine to nothing. I don't know that it'll be a, a shutout necessarily, but uh, I I don't think this will be close at all. It's a damn uh, good pick. You're up, Mike. What do you got? I don't know. Should I bet on this Virginia Wake Forest game? Who's <laughs> <laughs> oh, not man. betting on this game? This is this is oh, the game God. of the week in the conference right here. That's just the worst. Um <laughs> Clemson, ah, uh, God, makes me sick. I, I like that Louis. I like that Louisville pick a lot. That's why I was laughing. Um, <laughs> so let's go to my let's go to my backup plan. Um, uh, let's go. Let's go Virginia Tech to cover eleven against Duke on the road, okay. even though. I just told you guys that Virginia Tech's in a tough spot. I'm just going to – I also told you that they're going to win by a couple touchdowns, so sticking to my guns. They're going to cover 11, so bank on it. 
It's risky living, Mike. It's risky living. I will not be putting actual money on this game, by the way. That's surprise. I'm, I'm um, surprised you're not going Florida State minus five and a half. Oh, over NC State? I, I could do that, too, but I'd rather just have something in for my team here <laughs> for the sake of the podcast. So let's go Virginia Fair Tech enough. minus 11. It's, and to your point, weird stuff has happened, those NC State-Florida State matchups. I can't remember anything really weird happening with Virginia Tech and Duke. So, I mean. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a shame. Not if, yet. <laughs> hey, Cam, it would be a shame if your pick lost. <laughs> um, that happened. Yeah, that happened. Also, Duke doesn't have their running back anymore. It's yeah, it's over. Jayla Duncan out for the year. They're done. That's Daniel not good. Daniel Jones against Virginia Tech's defense? No way. Mm-hmm. So for all those reasons, Duke will probably cover. But I'm taking Virginia Tech. I've somehow convinced myself that David Cutcliffe can will that offense to like 17 points against Bud Foster's defense, and. Now I'm starting to rethink that a little bit. <laughs> David, David Cutcliffe's a little bit of a wizard, though, you know? Mm-hmm. Didn't they have, what was it, the third or fourth best offense in the ACC last year? And everybody's like, wait, what, Duke? Yeah, yeah, their offense hadn't been bad. I mean, like we said, you were, you know, last week you thought Duke's offense is garbage, and then they go put up, like, 550 yards on a garbage defense, which, you know, that happens. Hey, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I took the under. Man, yeah. I can't get over how bad Georgia Tech's defense has been. I can't believe I took the under on that game. Am I out of my mind? Yeah, I was out of my that, mind. That was doomed for <laughs> failure. That game was at 30 points at halftime and ended at, what? A lot of uh, a lot more. 73? More than yeah, 30. 43 <laughs> second half points? Yeah, not bad. If there's one game... Okay, I know we're, we're going a little long here. If there's... Uh, Oh, they're done listening by now. Yeah, I know. If there's, so we'll just continue. If there's a, if there's one game here on the schedule you wouldn't want any part of, and I'm talking about the line and the over under. If there was just one game you'd, you'd warn the listeners not to even touch, which game would it be? The game that I wouldn't even think about. Yeah, and I'm talking both the line and the over under. Putting you on the spot here a little bit. I got one. Yeah. I got one in mind here. It's probably the same one you're thinking of. I kind of want to hear what you're thinking. Since you asked the question, I will go first. Uh, Notre Dame, six-and-a-half-point favorite against Navy. I don't like that at all. Um, I I don't – I mean, I could see Notre Dame winning that game by two touchdowns. I could see Notre Dame losing that game outright. Um, I could see that game having, like, not very many points at all scored. I could see that game kind of turning into a bit of a shootout. Um, yeah, I, that, that's the game that I kind of have no gauge for – Plus, there's the weird, like, playing it in Jacksonville effect of, like, neither team is actually at home, and it's in kind of a kind of a quiet, weird environment anyways. So. Yeah, and the fact that the players will be looking up at the big screen when Corso's is making his headgear pick, like, halfway through the first quarter, you know, that yeah. whole element, too, you know? Yeah. Somebody call timeout so we can see who which headgear Corso yeah. puts on. Yeah. That's yeah. due for that game. Yeah, officials calling a delay a game because Corso's taken so long to, <laughs> A, like pronunciate his uh or enunciate his um <laughs> his pick and also putting the head headgear actually on his head i love coach corso though love him can't be lovely yeah love, love you lee um what you got mike you old bastard My, mine would be virginia and wake forest i it's a three-point spread i think wake forest is is better but 
they completely overthought their play calling last week and and lost a game that they shouldn't have lost. And then the point spread, like, you could easily say, oh, Wake and Virginia, that should be under 44. That could be, like, 14-10, 14-6. But then, by the same token, a good Virginia offense could show up, put up 25 points like they did against Louisville, 25 or 26 points, whatever it was last week. And then you're halfway to 44. If Wake Forest scores a couple touchdowns, you're there. Mm-hmm. So, no, I would go nowhere near the Virginia-Wake Forest one. But those, yeah, those are the, definitely the two, Navy, Notre Dame, and Virginia, Wake Forest. Yeah, I think with all the rest of the games, you've at least got a feeling for kind of where to go. Like, you get a little bit of an inkling on something. But, um, yeah, those two games, those are pretty hard to get a read on. I, I think I think you're spot on that that's probably the other hardest one for me to try to figure out is that Virginia-Wake Forest game. So, in any case, uh, like we said, we've got a weekend full of action here. Um quality of action yet to be determined we'll see um but yeah mike we'll be back uh this weekend talking uh talking a recap of this and the the absurdities that are sure to occur because it's these weekends that you think nothing's going on that everything totally just goes nuts and 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 someone's going to drop a game that they really shouldn't i hope it's north carolina um (laughs) probably not i also hope it's north carolina that pretty much locks up the coastal for virginia tech that's true that's true. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Probably not. If North Carolina, I mean, if North Carolina loses, I'll be a huge Georgia Tech fan this weekend because if North Carolina loses to Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech, you know, doesn't lay an egg against Duke, Tech needs to lose twice in the last three games. Um, well, they need to lose both their remaining ACC games mm-hmm. uh, if they were to beat Duke um, in order to not be in the ACC championship. Yeah, assuming no other help. So, yeah, go Jackets this weekend. Yeah. Uh, got, go Jackets. Got the full support of this podcast. Yeah, Hokies, uh, take care of business, please. It's a game I actually have an outside chance of driving down to. It's tossing that idea around. But then do I want to be there if they just lay an egg and complete debacle? I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. Can, how many people can fit in your car, Mike? Because depending on the answer to this question, you might be able to like double the crowd at the Duke I game. was going to say, more than, more than the fans in that stadium. Like, I don't know. If everybody's fit. looking for a ride back to, to D.C. after the game, you got them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, everybody, in the car. Like, <laughs> officiating crew, Gosh. we have room for you, too. Like, Oh, Lord. Yeah. No, to answer your question, yeah, my car seats five people. Um, <laughs> five more people than will be at this game, probably. Oh, man. Basketball season's just around the corner, Blue Devils fans. Don't worry, we're going to get you there. God. All right. Anyway, all right. Cool. Yeah, we'll be back this week, and we got to recap this action whenever it happens. But uh, anything else before we get out of here, Mike? I can't believe we had this podcast go for a full hour with this slate of games. Yeah, I don't know. I thought this would be over like twenty minutes ago, and Ho- yet. Hopefully, we didn't sound too under enthusiastic. Is that a word? Less enthusiastic. Yeah. Unenthusiastic. Can, I don't know. We can make some words up. That's fine. Yeah. No, we'll not. Enth- we weren't enthusiastic about these games, but hopefully, we gave some level of analysis there that <laughs> you guys can take home and makes a lot of sense here as you watch the games. I think we did that at least. Yeah, that's my commitment: is always give some fiery takes every week. Yeah. No matter how uh, seemingly dim the fire might be. <laughs> Anyways. 
All right, Mike. Sounds good. Well, we'll uh, we'll talk about these games on Sunday then. Cool. Sounds good. We'll do that. All right. Until then, y'all can reach us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel ACC. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can send us an email with your questions, your comments, your concerns, anything else. Uh, the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also subscribe on iTunes and Google Play, and you can rate us and review us and share us with your friends and tell us what you think about us and how we're doing. Um, and, uh, yeah, hope you guys uh, en- are enjoying the podcast, and, uh, and we'll try to keep uh, blasting it out as many places as we can to help find you guys and help you guys find us. So, uh, in any case, please do reach out to us on Twitter and, and tell us how you, uh, how you feel like we're doing. So let us know. But, uh, in any case, Mike... Uh, We're going to get out of here, and we'll talk again on Sunday. Yep. Sounds good. Well, for Mike McDaniel, I'm Joey Weaver, and until then, go ACC.